You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. This morning, I am just so grateful, as always, to be a part of a church of just so many talented folks that are a part of a team that are a part of making the overall goal happen of people coming to know the love of God, grow in God's love, and show God's love to the world. We're a team, right? We all have our own parts, and we all have our own roles, and we find those roles, and we serve within those roles all to make God famous, make Jesus famous. Um, We've been in a series called The Power of Giving, and last week Pastor Dustin was in John chapter 6, And he talked about the young boy who brought his lunch before Jesus to feed the 5,000, to feed the crowd that was there. And uh, in that situation, each person had something to give, right? Each person had something to give. Pastor Dustin talked specifically about Philip. He talked about Andrew, and he talked about the young boy. Each person brought something. Philip recognized the need. Andrew brought the boy to Jesus and the boy gave up his food. And they all did this with the goal and the understanding that Jesus was capable of doing more with what they had than what they were able to do on their own. Again, that was a team effort. And I keep saying that because that's what we're talking about today, is we're talking about this being a team effort. We have things to give individually, but we have things to give together as a team, as a collective, as the body of Christ, as the church of Christ, as Impact Church. We are the body of Christ, and we're called by the same Spirit, saved by the same grace. For those of us who've placed our faith in Jesus, saved by the same grace, called by the same Spirit, each with different tasks that we are hardwired for with our lives, all for the greater purpose that is the body of of Christ. And since we're talking about the body, I want to start with a few body jokes, okay? And I'm going to appreciate if you guys laugh. You don't have to. If you want to just roll your eyes at me, I can see that. I'm not much of a joke teller, but we're just going to go with this. When you die, what part of your body dies last? And you guys can answer. What do you think? What part of your body dies last? Anybody? Your pupils. They dilate. I asked a friend one time, if you had to get rid of one part of your body, what would it be? He said, my spine, it holds me back. Wah, wah, wah. And the last one, I hate body jokes. I lash out every time I hear one. No, that one, that one is the best. All right. So I just want to go ahead and apologize for the damage that was just done. Um, we can undo it. But we're, we're going to get back to Jesus. So we're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you all want to go ahead and turn that, if you have a copy of your word. Um, and just a little bit about 1 Corinthians. Paul is writing a letter to the church in Corinth. Paul had planted the church in Corinth, and uh, like a lot of churches that were young and around that age and around that time, they were struggling with how to kind of marry, not marry, but how to reconcile their previous practices and faiths and religions with their newfound faith in Jesus. How do we worship Jesus when we're so accustomed to doing things this way, that way? And all of those things kind of led to some strife in the church of Corinth. 
and led to some division. And that's what, that's what Paul is writing this letter in part to talk about. In chapter 12, he addresses how God gives us spiritual gifts. And then he uses the body as a practical example to show the followers in Corinth so they can understand how to unify together in love under the banner of the gospel, each with their own purpose. A little bit different than they would have practiced before following Christ. And that's something we all have to get used to, right? We all have tendencies and things in our lives that, that God works out of us, right, when we give our lives to Jesus. And as God works those out, we learn how to worship Jesus fully. So, and that's what, the, that's what Paul's dealing with here in Corinth. How do we do that as a body, as the church of Corinth, um, together in unity? So our big idea today that I want us to grasp, that I want us to dwell on and think on is this. We are the unified body of Christ, right? We are the unified body of, of Christ. We are each designed with something very specific to give. What is it, and are we giving it? So those are the two things that I want us to dwell on. Understanding that we are hardwired with something to give to the body of Christ, the ultimate goal of sharing the gospel throughout the world. Are we giving, or what is that thing, and are we giving it? So let's dive into uh, 1 Corinthians 12 together. We're going to start in verse 14. It says, For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body, and that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. If the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less or less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unrepresented parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, there may be no division, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this morning, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul's service and his passion for the, for the original church, for the first church in that area. And we thank you for his passion for the church in Corinth, and I pray that we would understand that this word this morning is applicable to our lives. That Lord, I pray that this morning, as, as we dive into it together, you would speak to our hearts and we would draw closer to you and learn how we can utilize the things you've hardwired us for, for your glory and purpose within the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we all compile one body, the body of Christ, which we all have very specific roles. So we're going to dissect a few things together. 
And the first thing I want us to understand is all parts are chosen by God. All parts are chosen by God. But as it is, this is verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So I'm going to give you guys a little story, tell you all a little bit story, a little bit of a story about my life personally and my call to ministry. So God, I believe wholeheartedly that God hardwires us for what he plans to use within his body, within his church. There's something in our lives that, that we're passionate about, that we just, that we find, we find joy in and we find fulfillment in. And whatever that is, if we use it within the confines of what God has and bringing glory to Jesus, then we can, we can complete the task that he has for us. I knew I was called to ministry um, shortly after surrendering, surrendering, surrendering my life to Jesus as Savior. And I thought to myself, there's no way, no chance that music is the avenue. I have had music my entire life. It's too obvious of the choice. Um, let's, let's, let's look at youth ministry. So I spent some time focusing on youth ministry. That ain't it for me. That ain't it for me. It's just not. Like, I can have a good conversation with teenagers and students, like, but just leading and doing ministry, that's just not it for me. So we had gone on a few missions trips to Alaska. We were like, we're going to plant a church in Alaska in this little town of like 40 people. That ain't it either. That like we that we were not that wasn't it at all. So I spent years actually just saying there's no way, not even giving music a chance. Like still leading worship at my church and letting God use me in that way, but like not like not committing to that as that is what I was gonna plant myself in ministry wise long term. And then I went to a conference and um, in January of 2010, Passion Conference in Atlanta. And I don't know if anyone has read the book Crazy Love. It's written by uh, the author uh, Francis Chan. He was a pastor out in, uh, I believe, San Francisco area. But he was preaching or uh, teaching during a breakout session. And he said what I've said to you all a few times. God has hardwired you something. There is a vein throughout your life that God intends to use within the body you just have to be willing to let him use it his way. And that's when I walked away and I knew that God was calling me to lead worship into music ministry. And I walked out of there and I told Sally, I said, we'd been married a couple years at the time. And I said, all right, I know I'm settled. God spoke to my heart. I'm supposed to lead worship. I'm supposed to go into music ministry. And she was like, duh. <laughs> she was like, I'm just letting you go through this and figure it out on your own. I'm glad you finally figured it out. But we each have these things that God has hardwired us for, right? Something we're passionate about, something that we love. I remember as a child with music, I remember as a child, um, my mom, and I have the piano in my living room right now, but the, the piano of our house, my mom would sit down at it and she would take her old red um, Baptist hymnal that she took out of the pew of Curtis Baptist Church 
Um, don't know if they kept track of those things, but one's at our house. I think I still have it. But she would open that thing up, and she would just start playing hymns. And she would demand that my four, five, six-year-old self would come sit down on that little tiny piano stool next to her and sing those with her. When we had when we had trips growing up, when we would travel to, to Florida or to North Carolina or we would travel out to Arkansas, that's really the furthest west we ever went as kids, um, the trip and the scenery was great. What we were going to do, that was all fun. But what was most important to me was the mixtape that I had prepared beforehand that I was going to listen to the whole way. I didn't care how loud my headphones were. My sister sitting next, my sisters sitting next to me, they were going to have to get over it. I was going to blare my headphones with whatever I had recorded off of like Y105 when I was little. Was, was it Y105? Is that right? Right? Okay, Y105 or WBBQ. You remember you used to sit down with the tape deck and you would just wait for your song and then you'd hit like play and record at the same time while they were doing their like top 10 or whatever? I would do that, and that was, that was so important to me. When I got older, burned CDs, and that's, I would just sit there, and I would listen. That was the most important thing to me, was what was I listening to on the way. The, the scenery was great, but the music was the soundtrack. So that's something that God has hardwired me for. He has given me a, a passion for. And I think he's given each and every one of us a passion for something. Another passion that I have is, is sports. I love sports. And I love the competition, but I think it boils down more to the relationship with others whenever said sport is happening. When I'm watching baseball or when I was playing baseball as a kid, and the sport was great, but the camaraderie with the team that was more important. And then when it comes to like going out on the golf course, I'm terrible at golf. Right there. I'm terrible at golf. But as we often say, when I absolutely shank a shot, it's all about the fellowship. It's all about the relationship. That's what's more important to me. When I'm out at the skate park, um, Kyle and I used to go a lot. We don't get to go quite as much, but it's all about the fellowship. Like, yeah, I'll try a couple new tricks or the same tricks every single time, or by the time I'm warm enough to actually get, um, get, uh, get excited and try something new, like I fall down and I'm like, I'm too old for this. Like, it's, it's more about the relationship building than it is the sport. So I'm passionate about music and utilizing that, but I'm also passionate about utilizing things to build relationships with others. I'm passionate about leadership development. In, in music ministry, uh, especially, my, my least favorite thing to hear is, I can't do something. When I hear someone say that, I want to punch them in the face. I'm just being in the name of Jesus, like just being complete. I can't do that because I'm not going to trust you with something unless I know that you're capable of doing it or ask you to do something unless I know that you're capable of doing it. It may take some walls being broken down or some barriers to be broken through, but I know you're capable of doing it. And that's part of leadership development. I don't actually punch anyone in the face, but that's part of leadership development, right? 
So we push people on. There's something else I'm passionate for. These are all things that God has kind of hardwired me throughout my whole life to see. One of my proudest moments was seeing this really, when I was working in restaurants, I was a manager of a restaurant, seeing this cook who was just super shy, but he did his job and he, he kept up. He, he met all of everything that we ever asked for him. He was available. He was good at his job. And he developed over a course of a few years into being a manager and one of the better managers of the store. So those are just a few examples of some things that God has hardwired throughout my life for me to utilize within the body of Christ. What are some things that God has hardwired? I just want to ask you to think introspectively. What are some things that God has hardwired you for to be used within the body? The first thing we have to understand about this passage and about being used within the body of Christ is the fact that God makes that happen. He sets that up. He hardwires us. So the first point, again, is all parts are chosen by God. And the second point is all parts are equal in purpose. All parts are equal in purpose. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Whatever your role is within the body, whatever God has hardwired you for, whether it be uh, just a sense of hospitality, right? And you just like talking to people and you like shaking hands. Whether it be a passion for, for children and, and teaching children and watching kids. Whether it be a passion for just physically serving and you help set up and tear down or you're available for, for this project or that project. Whether it be teaching others and you're you make yourself available to, to lead a small group or even help facilitate a small group by keeping the conversation going. Whatever God has hardwired you for, are we using that? It is important whether it is what seems to be a small role or whether it's the pastor of the church, right? Or the, the head of the conference, Whatever the case is, all parts are equal in purpose. Again, 22, it says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Romans 2.11, God does not show partiality. So when it comes to the body of Christ, whether you're a big toe or you're the lungs, your role is important. God, in fact, calls what we would say is unneeded or unimportant like I said, indispensable. It may not feel glamorous to be the hair on a pinky toe. You know, it may not be glamorous to be the belly button. You may look at the face and the nose and the mouth and the eyes and be like, that's what I want. But if God's called you, your, your purpose is important and it is just as equal as any other purpose. What are toes for? We talked a couple times about toes. 
being indispensable and not being super glamorous to be toes. What are toes for? Walk balance. That's right. To keep us balanced. So if we were to lose a toe or two, we'd have to relearn how to walk. Right? If we lost our thumb, we'd have to kind of relearn how to grasp things. Our thumb's really important in holding things and playing video games. Right? Video games instantly turn to this. Um, but we have, if we lose a thumb we have to learn how to grasp things properly. Genevieve broke her arm recently. She's lost all function, or just about all function, in her right arm. That's her dominant arm. So she's had to relearn how to write with her left hand, or how to hold a pen or a pencil with her cast. So when you lose a function of something, you understand that Sometimes while it seems unimportant, it's very important. If we lose our middle finger, we'll probably stay out of trouble, though. Right? So all, all parts are important, even the middle finger, but all parts are important, and they're, they're used equally in the purpose of God, in the body of Christ. So what I'm getting at is regardless of if you're on stage preaching, singing, or teaching a small group, or teaching kids ministry, or you're changing a dirty diaper, or you're building relationships with people um, at a service event, or even just at your workplace, whatever the case is, you have a purpose in the kingdom, in the body of Christ. God's hardwired you for that purpose. What is it, and are we using it? So lastly, and in closing, our third point is all parts are affected by all parts. All parts are affected by all parts. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. How many have ever worked on a be it in the workplace, at school, university, whatever, have done a group project. Yep, most everyone who has, has gone through schooling or been in a workplace, we've done a group project, right? Um, how many of us have had to pick up the slack from someone that wasn't putting in their full effort on the group project? Most of us who have ever done a group project have experienced that. So we're a team, Right? We're a team, a holistic team, the church, the body of Christ. When one person suffers, all suffer. When things are going well, we all rejoice together. And that's a two-part thing. So if we suffer, then we all share in that suffering. That's, that's part of being in community with one another, praying for one another, lifting each other's burdens up, meeting needs where needs are met. But it's also a part of when one role is unfulfilled, other parts of your body have to start upping their game, right? I know they say that when you lose one sense, your other senses start, start kind of going on, on hyper level. They start really dialing it in. Maybe you can't see as well, but you can hear something a mile away. Maybe you've, I don't know the science behind this, but maybe you're, you've broken your leg 
and now you can feel when a storm's coming in your knee. I don't know what the science is. I don't even know why I said that. But there are parts in our lives that when one thing goes wrong, others start picking them up, right? So we do that for two reasons. One, to, to get that part back in order. So Genevieve's arm needs to rest right now because it's broken. So the rest of her body is picking up the slack. And her other arm, her arm just kind of hangs here. And she can whap people with it. And that's, you know, that is what it is. We try to encourage her not to. But the rest of her body is picking up the slack. So at the same time, as we're in the body and we see something not working out the best way, they're, they're suffering, they're going through a hard time, we join in with community and we help build them up. That's what we're called to do. But we also want to get them back into serving in their role and doing what Jesus has hardwired them to do. So we're the body. When one part suffers, the whole body suffers. But then on the flip side, when something goes great for someone, we rejoice. The Bible said, when one soul is saved, that the angels rejoice in heaven. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.